0: Intro. Hey, Julian here. It's the American take from New Jersey. I'm just here for a minute to say we have a special show for you today. The black population of the United States is growing. In 2019, there were 46.8 million people who self identified as black, making up roughly 14% of the country's population. This marks a 29% increase since 2000. When there were roughly 36.2 million black Americans. Black Americans are diverse. This group consists of people with varied racial and ethnic identities and experiences. The nation's black population includes those who say their race is black, either alone or along with other racial backgrounds. It also includes Hispanics or Latinos who say their race is black. Today we are going to introduce two famous people. Muhammad Ali, and Barack Obama. We can see different shining points from them, which are the only ones black people have. Muhammad Ali was born in Louisville, Kentucky in 1942. He was named after his father, Cassius Marcellus Clay, Sr., who was named after the 19th century abolitionist and politician Cassius Clay. Ali would later change his name after joining the Nation of Islam. He subsequently converted to Sunni Islam in 1975. And he said, I'm not the greatest, I'm the double greatest. Not only do I knock M out, I pick the round.
1: His Early Boxing Career Standing at 6 feet 3 inches, 1.91 meters Ali had a highly unorthodox style for a heavyweight boxer. Rather than the normal boxing style of carrying the hands high to defend the face, he instead relied on his quick feet and ability to avoid a punch. In Louisville, October 29, 1960, Cassius Clay won his first professional fight. He won a six-round decision over Tunney Hunsaker, who was the police chief of Fayetteville, West Virginia. From 1960 to 1963, the young fighter amassed a record of 19-0, with 15 knockouts. He defeated such boxers as Tony Esperdi, Jim Robinson, Donnie Fleeman, Alonzo Johnson, George Logan, Willie Besmanoff, Lamar Clark, who had won his previous 40 bouts by knockout, Doug Jones, and Henry Cooper. Among Clay's victories were versus Sonny Banks, who knocked him down during the bout, Alejandro Laverant, and the aged Archie Moore, a boxing legend who had fought over 200 previous fights, and who had been Clay's trainer prior to Angelo Dundee. Clay won a disputed 10 round decision over Doug Jones, who Despite being lighter than Clay, staggered Clay as soon as the fight started with a right hand and beat Clay to the punch continually during the fight. The fight was named Fight of the Year for 1963. Clay's next fight was against Henry Cooper, who knocked Clay down with a left hook near the end of the fourth round. The fight was stopped in the fifth round due to a deep cut on Cooper's face. Despite these close calls against Doug Jones and Henry Cooper, he became the top contender for Sonny Liston's title. In spite of Clay's impressive record, he was not expected to beat the champion. The fight was to be held on February 25, 1964, in Miami, Florida. During the weigh in before the fight, Ali frequently taunted Liston. Oli dubbed him the big ugly bear and declared that he would float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. Ali was ready to dance around the ring, as he said, your hands can't hit what your eyes can't see. This was a typical build-up for Ali, who increasingly enjoyed playing to the crowd and creating a buzz before a fight. It was good news for fight promoters, who saw increased interest in any fight involving the bashful Ali. Vietnam War In 1964, Ali failed the Armed Forces qualifying test because his writing and spelling skills were inadequate. However, in early 1966, the tests were revised and Ali was reclassified 1A. He refused to serve in the United States Army during the Vietnam War as a conscientious objector, because war is against the teachings of the Holy Quran. I'm not trying to dodge the draft. We are not supposed to take part in no wars unless declared by Allah or the Messenger. We don't take part in Christian wars or wars of any unbelievers. Ali also famously said. Ali also famously said. I ain't got no quarrel with those Viet Cong and no Viet Cong ever called me nigger. Ali refused to respond to his name being read out as Cassius Clay, stating, as instructed by his mentors from the Nation of Islam, that Clay was the name given to his slave ancestors by the white man. Cassius Clay is a slave name. I didn't choose it and I don't want it. I am Muhammad Ali, a free name, it means, beloved of God, and I insist people use it when people speak to me and of me. By refusing to respond to this name, Ali's personal life was filled with controversy. Ali was essentially banned from fighting in the United States and forced to accept bouts abroad for most of 1966. From his rematch with Liston in May 1965, to his final defence against Zora Fali in March 1967, he defended his title nine times. Few other heavyweight champions in history have fought so much in such a short period. Ali was scheduled to fight WBA champion Ernie Terrell in a unification bout in Toronto on March 29, 1966, but Terrell backed out and Ali won a 15-round decision against substitute opponent George Chuvolo. He then went to England and defeated Henry Cooper and Brian London by stoppage on cuts. Ali's next defence was against German southpaw Karl Mildenberger, the first German to fight for the title since Max Schmeling. In one of the tougher fights of his life, Ali stopped his opponent in round 12. Ali returned to the United States in November 1966 to fight Cleveland Big Cat Williams in the Houston Astrodome. A year and a half before the fight, Williams had been shot in the stomach at point blank range by a Texas policeman. As a result, Williams went into the fight missing one kidney, 10 feet of his small intestine, and with a shriveled left leg from nerve damage from the bullet. Ali beat Williams in three rounds. On February 6, 1967, Ollie returned to a Houston boxing ring to fight Terrell in what became one of the uglier fights in boxing. Terrell had angered Ali by calling him Clay, and the champion vowed to punish him for this insult. During the fight, Ali kept shouting at his opponent, What's my name, Uncle Tom? What's my name? Terrell suffered 15 rounds of brutal punishment, losing 13 of 15 rounds on two judges' scorecards, but Ali did not knock him out. Analysts, including several who spoke to ESPN on the sports channel's Ali Rap Special, speculated that the fight only continued because Ali chose not to end it, choosing instead to further punish Terrell. After the fight, Tex Maul wrote, it was a wonderful demonstration of boxing skill and a barbarous display of cruelty. Ali's actions in refusing military service and aligning himself with the Nation of Islam made him a lightning rod for controversy, turning the outspoken but popular former champion into one of that era's most recognizable and controversial figures. Appearing at rallies with Nation of Islam leader Elijah Muhammad and declaring his allegiance to him at a time when mainstream America viewed them with suspicion if not outright hostility made Ali a target of outrage and suspicion as well. Ali seemed at times to even provoke such reactions, with viewpoints that wavered from support for civil rights to outright support of separatism. Near the end of 1967, Ali was stripped of his title by the Professional Boxing Commission and would not be allowed to fight professionally for more than three years. He was also convicted for refusing induction into the army and sentenced to five years in prison. Over the course of those years in exile, Ali fought to appeal his conviction. He stayed in the public spotlight and supported himself by giving speeches primarily at rallies on college campuses that opposed the Vietnam War. Why should they ask me to put on a uniform and go 10,000 miles from home and drop bombs and bullets on brown people while so-called Negro people in Louisville are treated like dogs? Muhammad Ali, explaining why he refused to fight in Vietnam. In 1970, Ali was allowed to fight again, and in late 1971 the Supreme Court reversed his conviction. Muhammad Ali's Comeback. In 1970, Ali was finally able to get a boxing license. With the help of a state senator, he was granted a license to box in Georgia because it was the only state in America without a boxing commission. In October 1970, he returned to stop Jerry Quarry on a cut after three rounds. Shortly after the Quarry fight, the New York State Supreme Court ruled that Ali was unjustly denied a boxing license. Once again able to fight in New York, he fought Oscar Bonavina at Madison Square Garden in December 1970. After a tough 14 rounds, Ali stopped Bonavina in the 15th, paving the way for a title fight against Joe Frazier. The Fight of the Century Ali and Frazier fought each other on March 8, 1971, at Madison Square Garden. The fight, known as the Fight of the Century, was one of the most eagerly anticipated bouts of all time and remains one of the most famous. It featured two skilled, undefeated fighters, both of whom had reasonable claims to the heavyweight crown. The fight lived up to the hype, and Frazier punctuated his victory by flooring Ali with a hard left hook in the 15th and final round and won on points. Frank Sinatra, unable to acquire a ringside seat, took photos of the match for Life magazine. Legendary boxing announcer Don Dunphy and actor and boxing aficionado Burt Lancaster called the action for the broadcast, which reached millions of people. Frazier eventually won the fight and retained the title with a unanimous decision, dealing Ali his first professional loss. Despite an impressive performance, Ali may have still been suffering from the effects of ring rust due to his long layoff. In 1973, after a string of victories over the top heavyweight opposition in a campaign to force a rematch with Frazier, Ali split two bots with Ken Norton, in the bot that Ali lost to Norton, Ali suffered a broken jaw. Rumble in the Jungle In 1974, Ali gained a match with champion George Foreman. The fight took place in Zaire, the Congo, Ali wanted the fight to be there to help give an economic boost to this part of Africa. The pre-match hype was as great as ever. Floats like a butterfly, sting like a bee, his hands can't hit what his eyes can't see. Muhammad Ali, before the 1974 fight against George Foreman. Against the odds, Ali won the rematch in the eighth round. Ali had adopted a strategy of wearing foreman down though absorbing punches on the ropes, a strategy later termed rope a dope. This gave Ali another chance at the world title against Fraser. It will be a killer, and a chiller, and a thriller when I get the gorilla in Manila. Ali before Fraser fight. The fight lasted 14 rounds, with Ali finally proving victorious in the testing African heat. Muhammad Ali in retirement. Ali was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease in the early 1980s, following which his motor functions began a slow decline. Although Ali's doctors disagreed during the 1980s and 1990s about whether his symptoms were caused by boxing and whether or not his condition was degenerative, he was ultimately diagnosed with pugilistic Parkinson's syndrome. By late 2005 it was reported that Ali's condition was notably worsening. According to the documentary When We Were Kings when Ali was asked about whether he has any regrets about boxing due to his disability, he responded that if he didn't box he would still be a painter in Louisville, Kentucky. Speaking of his own Parkinson's disease, Ali remarks how it has helped him to look at life in a different perspective. Maybe my Parkinson's is God's way of reminding me what is important. It slowed me down and caused me to listen rather than talk. Actually, People pay more attention to me now because I don't talk as much. I always liked to chase the girls. Parkinson stops all that. Now I might have a chance to go to heaven. Muhammad Ali, BBC Despite the disability, he remained a beloved and active public figure. Recently he was voted into Forbes Celebrity 100 coming in at number 13 behind Donald Trump. In 1985, he served as a guest referee at the inaugural WrestleMania event. In 1987 he was selected by the California Bicentennial Foundation for the U.S. Constitution to personify the vitality of the U.S. Constitution and Bill of Rights in various high-profile activities. Ali rode on a float at the 1988 Tournament of Roses Parade, launching the U.S. Constitution's 200th birthday commemoration. He also published an Oral History, Muhammad Ali, His Life and Times with Thomas Hauser in 1991. Ali received a Spirit of America award calling him the most recognized American in the world. In 1996, he had the honor of lighting the flame at the 1996 Summer Olympics in Atlanta, Georgia. In 1999, Ali received a special one-off award from the BBC at its annual BBC Sports Personality of the Year award ceremony which was the BBC Sports Personality of the Century Award. His daughter Layla Ali also became a boxer in 1999, despite her father's earlier comments against female boxing in 1978, women are not made to be hit in the breast and face like that, the body's not made to be punched right here, patting his chest. Get hit in the breast, hard, and all that. On September 13, 1999, Ollie was named Kentucky Athlete of the Century by the Kentucky Athletic Hall of Fame in ceremonies at the Galt House East. In 2001, a biographical film entitled Ollie was made, with Will Smith starring as Ollie. The film received mixed reviews, with the positives generally attributed to the acting, as Smith and supporting actor John Voigt earned Academy Award nominations. Prior to making the Ali movie, Will Smith had continually rejected the role of Ali until Muhammad Ali personally requested that he accept the role. According to Smith, the first thing Ali said about the subject to Smith was, you ain't pretty enough to play me. He received the Presidential Medal of Freedom at a White House ceremony on November 9, 2005, and the prestigious Otto Hahn Peace Medal in Gold of the United Nations Association of Germany in Berlin for his work with the U.S. Civil Rights Movement and the United Nations, December 17, 2005. On November 19, 2005, Ali's 19th wedding anniversary, the $60 million non profit Muhammad Ali Center opened in downtown Louisville, Kentucky. In addition to displaying his boxing memorabilia, the center focuses on core themes of peace, social responsibility, respect, and personal growth, according to the Muhammad Ali Center website in 2012. Since he retired from boxing, Ali has devoted himself to humanitarian endeavors around the globe. He is a devout Sunni Muslim and travels the world over, lending his name and presence to hunger and poverty relief supporting education efforts of all kinds, promoting adoption and encouraging people to respect and better understand one another. It is estimated that he has helped to provide more than 22 million meals to feed the hungry. Ali travels, on average, more than 200 days per year.
0: Muhammad Ali died on June 3, 2016, from a respiratory illness, a condition that was complicated by Parkinson's disease. Will they ever have another fighter who writes poems, predicts rounds, beats everybody, makes people laugh, makes people cry and is as tall and extra pretty as me? Barack Obama served as the 44th president of the US from 2009 to 2017. Obama passed several bills, which sought to extend welfare support and help the economy to recover from the financial and economic crisis of 2009. His primary legislation included Health Care Reform, Protection and Affordable Care Act, and the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act of 2009. He is widely regarded as a charismatic speaker, frequently speaking on the ideals of hope and
1: optimism. Barack Obama was born August 4, 1961 in Hawaii. His father was a Kenyan intellectual and his mother a white teenager from Kansas. When Barack was still young, his father abandoned the family and Barack would only meet his father on a few future occasions. After a brief spell living in Indonesia, he moved back to Hawaii where he was raised by his grandparents. For some years, Obama's nationality was the subject of intense speculation by the right-wing media. And figures such as Donald Trump, suggesting Obama was not American. Obama later produced two birth certificates to prove his nationality. After studying law at Harvard, he worked as a civil rights lawyer in Chicago. It was here in Chicago that he met his future wife, Michelle. They married in 1992 and had two children. In 1996, he gained his major political breakthrough serving in the Illinois State Senate. In 2004, He was elected to the U.S. Senate where he gained a reputation as one of rising stars in the Democrat Party. His book, The Audacity of Hope, became a bestseller and increased his national profile. In the aftermath of the Iraq War, his reputation was enhanced by his previous opposition to the war. Hope in the face of difficulty, hope in the face of uncertainty, the audacity of hope, in the end, that is God's greatest gift to us, the bedrock of this nation, a belief in things not seen, a belief that there are better days ahead. Despite a lack of political experience, he put forward his name for the Democratic presidential candidate in 2008. Against the stiff opposition of Hillary Clinton, Obama ran a near-perfect campaign. His campaign generated a flood of popular grassroots support, making use of social media and internet networking. Against the much older Republican candidate Senator John McCain, Obama won a hard-fought contest taking the 2008 presidential election. His victory was greeted with an unusual degree of enthusiasm and excitement, not just in America, but around the world. After decades of racism and segregation blighting American society, the election of the first black American president was hugely symbolic. On becoming president, he found the political environment hostile. The Republican-dominated Congress was able to block much of Obama's key legislation. However, with considerable modifications, he was able to pass a healthcare bill which went a considerable way to ensuring greater universal provision. Change will not come if we wait for some other person, or if we wait for some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. We are the change that we seek. Obama was elected on a liberal platform. Before the election, he promised to close down Guantanamo Bay and improve America's image abroad. To the Muslim world, we seek a new way forward, based on mutual interest and mutual respect. To those leaders around the globe who seek to sow conflict or blame their society's ills on the West, know that your people will judge you on what you can build, not what you destroy. To those who cling to power through corruption and deceit and the silencing of dissent, know that you are on the wrong side of history, but that we will extend a hand if you are willing to unclench your fist. Compared to other American political figures, he is perceived as less accommodating to Israel and more sympathetic to the Palestinian position. In 2011, the U.S. was the only country to veto a Security Council resolution condemning illegal Israeli settlements. However, one of his last acts as president in December 2016 was for the U.S. to abstain on a similar motion condemning Israeli settlement building. A year into his presidency, he was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize for his promise to promote world peace. Many thought this somewhat premature for occurring at the start of his presidency. In 2010, he signed with Russia the New START Strategic Arms Reduction Treaty, which included a reduction in nuclear arms between the two countries, though in 2015, relations between the two countries soured after the Russian invasion of the Ukraine caused Obama to initiate economic sanctions against Russia. In 2011, he ordered the assassination of Osama bin Laden, the person blamed for 9-11 and a target who had evaded the administration of George W. Bush. Obama pledged to end American troops' involvement in Iraq and by 2011 could announce all troops would be leaving Iraq. Troops have remained in Afghanistan. In 2014, Obama began a process to normalize relationship with Cuba after negotiations with Raul Castro. In 2016, Obama became the first U.S. president to visit Cuba, since 1928. Fidel Castro the longtime dictator of Cuba died in November 2016. In an era of increased partisanship, Obama has sought to rise above the political fray and present a vision of a united America, a country which transcends the division of race and politics. In this country, we rise or fall as one nation, as one people. Let's resist the temptation to fall back on the same partisanship and pettiness and immaturity that has poisoned our politics for so long. Obama on the Economy Assuming office in January 2009, Obama inherited an economy struggling to overcome the deepest recession since the 1930s. In 2009, he passed an economic stimulus package, which included $831 billion of economic stimulus, including tax cuts, unemployment benefits, and infrastructure spending. Despite criticisms, the package increased the budget deficit, it helped to boost economic recovery and unemployment fell significantly during Obama's presidency. The US recovery proved quicker than comparable economies in Europe, but growth was uneven, with low-wage growth. In 2010, Obama also passed the Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform and Consumer Protection Act, which sought to reform the banking and financial sector, in the aftermath of the credit crunch. Despite concerns about the economy, in 2012, Obama was able to win re-election, defeating the Republican candidate Mitt Romney. In domestic policy, his biggest policy initiative was in Healthcare Affordable Healthcare Act, often termed Obamacare. It was passed into law in 2010 and upheld by the Supreme Court in late 2012. Enrollment in the program began in October 2013. Despite some initial technical difficulties, it has led to an increase in the percentage of Americans with health insurance. A CDC report showed the proportion of people without health insurance fell from 16 percent in 2010 to 9 percent during the Jan-June 2016 period. Obama describes himself as a Christian. He was raised as Christian, though not as a regular churchgoer, saying that he made that choice in adult life. He also believes that different faiths and religions can share the same values and lead to the same goals. I'm rooted in the Christian tradition. I believe that there are many paths to the same place, and that is a belief that there is a higher power, a belief that we are connected as a people. That there are values that transcend race or culture, that move us forward, and there's an obligation for all of us individually as well as collectively to take responsibility to make those values lived. Barack Obama has two daughters, Malia and Sasha.
0: In the aftermath of the 2016 election where President Trump was elected, Obama has avoided getting involved in direct criticisms of the president's actions. However, he has spoken up on issues, such as civil rights, the rights for non-documented dreamers and also the importance of civil discourse. Against the backdrop of Trump's tumultuous and divisive presidency, many Americans have gained a better impression of Obama and for his qualities of calm and rational discourse. They are all great people who have made great contributions in their time.
1: We should do the same today.